All right, here we are, another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, I'm chatting with Matthew Belair, who is the host of the top-rated Mastermind Body and Spirit podcast and best-selling author of Zen Athlete, A Guide to Self-Mastery. Matt has trained with 34th generation Shaolin Kung Fu monks in China. Hope I said that properly. Trekked Mount Everest, studied meditation with Tibetan monks, explored Egypt with the Resonance Science Foundation, and traveled the world in pursuit of truth and self-mastery. As a podcast host, coach, and speaker, Matt is an avid researcher and experimenter in exploring human performance and conscious evolution really like this guy and this conversation he's become a good friend and someone that i really really respect in this field so super pumped to share this conversation enjoy all right matt welcome to the show and before we we get into any deep conversation, I just want to kick it off with one question from or for you, which is, who are you, or you know, what defines you as a person? Hey, Mark. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. That's a pretty challenging opening question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> starting to light. Yeah, totally. You know, the way that I like to phrase it and just explain it to people is: I grew up a uh, martial artist and was always interested in martial arts. And a part of that practice was mind, body, spirit. And so I was trying all these, you know, meditation tactics and all these things when I was very young. And that grew into, you know, when I was playing hockey, I started, I started skateboarding in my teens and was always very interested in just consciousness, human performance, uh, what's happening on the planet, you know, what's, what's enlightenment, what's Zen, how do I lucid dream? All these things I was very curious about in my teens. And so mm. when I was done high school, I went to Whistler and after I, I went to college, I went to Whistler because I wanted to snowboard and I still continued studying all this stuff. I was still practicing martial arts and studying things like sports psychology, neuro-linguistic programming, anything with consciousness, meditation, enlightenment, Zen attached to it. I was reading it. I was trying it and I was uh, doing it. And so, you know, after about eight years in Whistler, I really had a great time and I was, I was training this stuff with the uh, high level snowboarders. So I was, I was traveling the world and uh, teaching snowboarders these you know, regular snowboarding, but also always adding these mental training techniques because I was shocked that they weren't using them. And uh, sure. like, like I had learned this when I was a kid and I just figured that everybody used it and it was just a standard part. You know, I was like, you don't see how visualization is helpful. Like you don't see how, you know, meditation could be helpful, but most people are, are more logically based, right? They want to see the proof. You want to go to the gym and you want to be really sore. So then, you know, something's happening where in visualization and meditation, it's not a very direct and immediate feedback. So you're not a hundred percent sure if it's doing anything. Um, but I was yeah. already convinced kind of the other way. And so after that, um, I wanted to travel the world and I want to be around the best teachers. And so I wanted to be enlightened, so I figured who better than Tibetan monks to show me how to be enlightened and went to Nepal and meditated with monks for uh, six weeks and taught English in the morning and, and had conversations with older monks in the afternoon. I trained professional MMA at Phuket Top Team in Thailand, and then I went to Cambodia and I wrote Zen Athlete there, most of it anyways. And then I went to China to a Shaolin Kung Fu 
temple and it was incredible. And I trained with Shaolin masters that could literally do superhuman feats because I wanted to know what was real. I wanted to be able to separate fact from fiction. How do we engage in this uh, energy, the Tao, Chi or whatever to do things that are extraordinary? Same with Wim Hof doing extraordinary things in cold. And so yeah. I was very curious about that. And so upon coming back, that's when I started the podcast to keep engaging these conversations before you know, just before the podcast boom anyway, just having conversations with people who want to talk about interesting stuff. And, you know, a few years later, I'm about 300 episodes in and and I'm still exploring. I'm still traveling. I've been to about 30 different countries. I'm always looking for experts in different fields of consciousness, personal development, uh, peak performance, and uh, just trying to, you know, have fun too along the way, not try to take it so seriously, which I'm not sure. that great at, to be honest, but uh, I'm You're doing human. I'm still trying amazing well thanks matt i mean i appreciate that's a pretty that's a pretty damn good summary did that all happen in a year and a half yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i all seriousness the one thing i definitely want to kind of rewind back because i think it's easy to for everyone listening and myself included like the time that we live in right now we're getting closer and closer to a little bit more of a mainstream adoption to some of these practices that you mentioned, but if you dial it back, you know, and especially in the type of sports that, you know, you were involved with, like, I'm curious, how did people take, you know, your approach on, on mental training back in those days? Like, how did you get through? Cause you know, there's elements there, sports psychology, I, I'd imagine, you know, people would be, okay, I kind of get that. But then you start talking meditation and Zen. It's like, whoa, 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 like now we're getting too weird. You know, did you have any of that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's still like that today. It's really an uphill battle. What you have to do is, is each person is individual, how much they're going to take, you know, and yeah. how much they're not going to take. And uh, you got a Trojan horse it. And so that's <laughs> actually why I wrote the book Zen Athlete, because Sport gives you a catalyst to learn all of these tools for self-mastery that they work and they do work and they're very effective. The challenge is we don't have a catalyst in our daily life to um, employ these things. We need a little bit of faith, but most people need a little bit more proof. But you can find the proof if you do the research. Um, you know, look at hypnosis and what they were doing with the placebo in World War II and just, you know, not even giving them morphine and it was working. And mm. so, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, You Are the Placebo, has a lot of facts and information and stories. So they're out there and you can find them. But most people are just, you know, they're very resistant to this kind of thing. So it's really where they're at. And um, but also that catalyst to want to get better in sports. So usually they'd be okay with visualization. Mm -hmm. Usually they'd be okay with like you need to quiet your mind so you can focus. So you'd use a word like focus. Um, yeah. But let me give you an example because the catalyst is such an important piece. I was uh, I sent out a book and there was a guy named Pat Bowden who's a professional freestyle motocross rider. He's amazing. Look him up. He's a great guy and absolutely incredible athlete. You know, nitro circus, all that kind of fun stuff. He had a friend, Brody Carmichael, who fell on a front flip and he had, they'd been talking. He said, hey, you should reach out to Matt. So he reached out and we had a conversation. He basically told me he wants to land that front flip on a, on a bike. Only two or three people in the world could do a front flip on a motorcycle at that time. And he yeah. wanted to do the third or fourth or whatever that was. And he also wanted to do some variations that have never been done before. And so... We have the conversation. His mental game is really strong. You know, I refined a couple of things as far as perspective, 
go and, and make sure, you know, he was all set because it's a very serious thing he wants to try and do. And I said, Hey man, like you can read my book. You don't have to, but it's going to help. It's going to help you with perspectives and how you train and procedure and all that kind of stuff. You know, you can go through the online stuff. There's videos and, and, and all that kind of thing. It's going to help, but your mental game strong. Like it, it was all, all around really good. What you need to do that you're not doing is you need to visualize this trick every single day for an hour. Uh, do that until you know in your bones, in your cell, in your DNA that you can land it. Then go do it. So he starts doing this immediately. Three weeks later, he lands a front flip on his motorcycle. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip heel clicker. Three weeks oh, after wow. that, he lands the world's first front flip Superman on a motorcycle through visualization. Whoa. And the reason why he did this is because he had such an intense catalyst where if he failed, he would maybe break his legs, end up in a wheelchair, possibly die, serious injury. So the idea is that we can use very effective techniques, very effective mindset techniques that are not complicated. It's just that they're not valued right now because there's a lot of um, misinformation, a lot of uh, uncertainty. So you apply that to your goal. But if you have a clear goal in mind, use strong mental training techniques uh, that are very simple to apply, you can pretty much achieve anything that you want if you have the determination to you know, see that goal through. That's powerful stuff. I mean, for, for anyone listening, um, just as a visual, like imagine you know a su- Superman kind of flying, hang- hanging onto the handlebars uh, in the air with your bike. Uh, and then, so the front flips first, I'm assuming, and then he, you, yeah. you kind of lay out. Yeah, uh, it's wow. it, it's ridiculous. It's it's a totally totally high risk ridiculous trick. You know, front flip is super challenging in in so many different ways. And so, but think about the other catalyst, right? Like uh, a lot of people will come into some of this work when their health is on the fritz. You know, yeah. there's with a terminal illness, and there are many stories of people changing their their lifestyle using different techniques as far as mindset goes to cure themselves of terminal illness. Obviously, it's not a hundred percent. You could try these things and it not work, but there's a lot of people who have used similar techniques to heal themselves of of what the doctors have told them are terminal illnesses. So we do have that power to heal ourselves. And there are many recorded cases of this, but they were given a catalyst and that was death. And so they're like, you know what? I'll try this hokey stuff. Then they're like, holy crap, it worked. And so the idea is that if we can learn how to use that with our goals, Right. So when I was with the uh, Shaolin monks in in China, I wanted to know if it was real, if he could, if they could break stone and do all that kind of stuff. And one of the masters there, his name was Master Go, and he could break stone with two fingers. It was a pretty thick piece, Uh, not the thickest, but it was freaking thick enough. It was stone. It's still stone. Yeah. (laughs) He he had thicker pieces. He'd break over his friggin' head and every limb, like his, his elbow and his knee. Right. And so I got a chance to interview him because I wanted to know if it was for real because I have a martial arts background. And there are tricks. Some people can break ice and it's a trick. Some people break wood and it's like really soft wood. It's super easy to break. Some people will break bricks and it's actually fake bricks. Um, I know that there's trickery. So I wanted to make sure I'd come all this way that this is legit. And so I say, hey, you know, what's the trick? And there's a translator and she's like, translates to him. He says, there's no trick. And so (laughs) I go, trick, what's a trick, right? And she translates it once again. He's like, no trick. So I'd go a third time. I want to be very thorough. He doesn't even look at her because he knows I'm saying the same thing. And he just starts slamming his fingers down on the desk super hard and just says years. And I got to find the recording, but I think it was like five or eight years of Qigong and five, you know, five years of hard Qigong, which is 
outside the academy, hard qigong is conditioning the body, whacking your elbow yeah. fists against hard objects. And so the trees at the academy have dent holes, finger marks imprinted in trees from poking them on a repeated basis. And so it instantly clicked in my mind that superhuman abilities were possible, but it, they weren't like superhuman special. It wasn't a skill. It wasn't a talent. It was superhuman dedication to an mm-hmm. idea. And so if he dedicated all of that time and energy to show how we can manipulate physical reality in such an extraordinary way, what is possible if we can elicit and cultivate and create a dream that we are willing to dedicate that time of energy to? We are not only going to achieve that dream, we could probably go beyond that dream. And even if you didn't get to the full realization of that dream, and if you, even if you got to 50% or 80% of it, it would have a massive impact and a meaningful impact in your life, showing you what you're capable of and how you can influence your reality and, and uh, you know, all of your environment. That's powerful. So, and is that, is that around the time when you decided to write the book? Yeah. Yeah. What was interesting too, because I'd written the first draft of Zen Athlete before I was there because I was in Cambodia before writing most of it. And so then, you know, what that did is solidify what I knew. It solidified my theory. And and I was basically, the book is just a compilation of all the best personal development, self-help, consciousness training techniques in a very simple and easy way to understand, very easy and simple way to apply and learn so you can carry it your whole entire life. And I could have wrote the book like a guide to self-mastery or is it, well, it actually is a guide to self-mastery, but it's Zen athlete. But the Mm -hmm. reason why I chose athletes is because the hope is to Trojan horse this uh, idea to kids that they have a catalyst. They want to get better at sport. They're going to learn. They're going to be more receptive to clearing their mind, more receptive to all these other things. And so here's the, the way that I break it down for, uh, for somebody who wants to either learn this or teach this to kids, because that's what I'm most passionate about. And, and it and it's important for adults too, but adults are either going to come to it or not come to it. You know what sure. I mean? We have an opportunity, a big opportunity with sport to help kids and really empower them. So, you know, you're teaching a kid how to do a basketball shot. You, you say, okay, well, first thing is to clear your mind. An individual, take three deep breaths and clear your mind. An individual has the ability to clear their mind for a moment and an individual who does not is a fundamental shift in the quality of your consciousness and the level of freedom you have and the level of emotional intelligence you have. It is a fundamental shift, a fundamental upgrade in the quality of your consciousness and life experience, being able to quiet your mind. Second one, visualize the shot going in. When you realize that you influence your reality, not only through visualization and mental practices and what you act, how you try, how you practice, you feel more empowered. It's another upgrade and fundamental shift in consciousness. You influence your reality. You're not just a victim here. You're not just a whim to all of the external things that may happen to you. You're stronger than that. You can influence this. The third thing is they miss the shot. What's the most powerful and positive perspective they can have in that scenario? It's not always going to work out. You're not always going to hit it, but you do get to choose how you respond to what happens. And that's really where your power is. And then finally, can you go through this experience with a sense of completion, of joy, of self-worth, of enthusiasm before you win the championship, even if you miss the shot, even if you don't hit your goal, even if you're, you know, you're just starting the process, even if, you know, wherever you are, because we're always growing. 
if you imagine an athlete trying to win the world championship, that's a whole lifetime, right? They might mm-hmm. die at 12 on the way there. They might die at 21. They might never get there. They might only play in the leagues. But if it's only that one moment of happiness that they're waiting for when they get there, that only lasts like a week. You know, with the championship rolls over and they're already on the new year and making the new teams. And that's what we do in a daily life. It doesn't need to be a sports goal. It's any goal. It could be a fitness goal. It could be a wellness goal. It could be a career goal. It could be a money goal. And we do that with how we grow and what we know and how we learn and how we operate in our lives is we always wait for that next thing. And then we're good. And then we're whole. So if you can do that process, being whole and content and full of self-worth as you are, that's really the premium perspective in, in my view, from where I'm at right now. Well, there's just so what, what really fascinates me about all of this is, is that, you know, everyone listening and it, it can, can relate to, <clears throat> excuse me, moments in their life where like, let's take a, like a, a practical example of just when, when things are going your way and you're feeling good, you're grateful, but it, it almost seems like more is coming. Right. And it's like, we all have these experiences and I, what excites me about like present day is that it seems like people have more of an appetite to be to find that self-awareness and, and, you know, and, and like, where's this coming from? Or what, what are some other practices that everything you just described essentially, like, how can I implement these into my life a little bit more? And I'm, I'm curious, like as someone that obviously is well-versed in this and you've done, you know, a lot of research and you live and breathe this stuff, like what's shifting now that we're going from, I think you use the example of, you know, a lot of these type of practices and, and beliefs and, and traditions, like they come up when you're on your deathbed or in, in serious events, let's say, to now, like, how do we integrate this into our daily life for the, for the benefits of that, right? Like, what, what do you think is shifting? Well, I hope that we're we're becoming more intelligent as a species. I hope that we're, <laughs> I hope we're evolving and, and we're learning. We're adaptive. You know, we're, we're a species that evolves and we should use techniques that work and disregard those that don't work. And we should um, engage in practices and in values and in characteristics that are supportive of ourselves and our community and our environment. And we have constructed this very cold reality that is not conducive to nature, uh, fundamental human nature and interaction. Everybody feels alone. Everybody feels separate. Everybody feels not enough. Everybody's, you know, when I, when I grew up, we didn't have social media. It just started Facebook in high school and it was already a tough enough job to, you know, fit in and to, you know, navigate that space. But now you have this whole artificial world where everything's permanent. You know, mm-hmm. and people know how much they like you and how important you are, and that's where it comes. So our world is getting more and more artificial in so many different ways. And so hopefully there are people out there that are wanting to come back to just things that are simpler, more authentic, more truthful, and practices that are more meaningful and more empowering. And so some things work more than others. And over time and over communication with different people and different leaders and and things like that, you'll see which what works, right? You can see the results for, for, you know, each individual you're looking at, and then we can make a higher quality decision when we're ready, because really we're in a culture now, and I don't want to get too much into this, but one of the first questions that I really, really wanted an answer to is I didn't understand why we had starvation. I didn't understand why we had war. 
And mm-hmm. that when I went into politics and uh, conspiracy theories and all of that stuff, you know, and I'm still in it. And all I can say, and I don't even know if this is true, but from all of the research that I've done, my feeling is that corporations and kings and queens and all that kind of stuff and institutions have so much power. And they're now that these institutions are in place, they're kind of self-sustaining. They don't want to die. And so we're really in a profit-based society. And so we need to be, I think it's in one of the documentaries, whether it's Zeitgeist or Thrive, it's moving from a profit-based society to a resource-based society. Obviously, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But these institutions are are for profit right so you look at slave trade and things like that and why is there slave trade why are people starving to death you know we have millions and millions of dollars millions and millions of millionaires we've even got lots of billionaires now and these people can't get rice how much would rice cost to feed these people can't be that much you yeah, know totally. what system in place and that bugs me it bugs me right now people should not be starving to death we should not be warring with countries who is who is making the decision to put these people to war you know, people fundamentally are kind. People fundamentally are good people. Um, people can get confused and, and sometimes people can be violent, but I think at our core nature, everybody is kind and compassionate and wants the same things. And so war is ridiculous. And um, I kind of got off a tangent. I forget what the heck your original question was. No, no, let, let's stay a, a little bit on this. I mean, I'll pull it to a little bit more personal to you, but I mean, it's resonating. I mean, I'm, I'm about halfway through Sapiens actually right now, <laughs> which um, obviously uh, I, th- I think half of the world, if not more, has has read this book. At least that's why I started reading it. And it's just basically the history of of sapiens and, and and us right and like as you're saying that i can see like just just reading that book like it could just goes back from the beginning of time right like from small little tribes just there it's like this this mentality is almost entrenched in in our evolution so i'm i'm obviously it's you know we're we're doing everything possible to shift some of this stuff and there's efforts but i agree with you a thousand percent i mean it just seems crazy that this is still you know in 2019 like we're we're still talking about these age-old issues that are just escalated so my question to you though matt um given that i think this can relate to a lot of people these are things are just somewhat out of our control right like how do you mentally grapple then and find some sort of inner peace with like this, I, I can't, like, I can't fix the ocean problem by myself, or I can't, you know, end all world hunger by myself. Like, how do you, how do you mentally handle that? Yeah, man, that's a really great question. When I was really getting deep into this stuff in my early 20s, I was doing a lot of research and I would try to have conversations about this with people and nobody was really interested in them. And so I felt really alone and I went through a pretty good depression for quite a while just because I was like, how can it be this dark? How can there actually be systems in place to suppress people? You know, I was just like, yeah, I, I can't understand how this is going, you know, and there's so much crap out there. And, you know, when you look at it and you realize it's on purpose, it's it's heartbreaking. And it's hard to stomach. And I had I had a problem with it and I still have a problem with it. And I wish I had a better answer and solution where i'm at with it right now is that me being you know if there's an issue and if i'm defeated if i'm low energy if i'm not empowered i can't make a better impact what i think is that we have 
an opportunity to empower ourselves. And when we live peacefully, when we are that example in the world, when we do our best, when we um, do the right things rather than the easy things, when we maintain integrity rather than breaking integrity to make a dollar, we're influencing that on a whole. And we just need more individuals to do that, to set the example and to say, hey, this is where integrity is. And let's stay that way. Like the story of Patagonia and, and yeah. what they went through, a really beautiful story, you know? And so more people just saying, let's do the right thing than rather than the easy thing. And more communication. One idea that I love is like, you know, if there are extraterrestrials or aliens, right? Or let's say there was like the interstellar Olympics and they would look and be like, Hey, are we going to get team earth to play? And be like, nah, man, that place is crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you do not want them to play and you wouldn't want us out there in spaceships, right? Because we'd be a bunch of total a-holes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you look down and it's like, aren't they the same species? Like what are the heck are they doing? And that's where I'm curious, like what systems are in place that we're bombing each other, that, that we can't understand each other, that we would literally murder each other. If I murder one person, then I go to jail for life for murder. But if I murder many people, then it's okay because it's war. Like what kind of logic is that? Yeah. 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 You know, what is, what's happening here? What is the root of this and how do we engage in real conversations and processes and procedures and, um, anything we can to actually move towards solutions. And, um, you know, it's such a, such a fascinating time to be alive because we are all connected. We can now receive information from across the world in an instant. And so if we let go of all the baloney and just allowed someone else to have a different belief, a different color skin, a different way of life, a different understanding, a different point of view. And we just, we're still peaceful with each other. And you align up with like team USA, with this team China, with team Russia, with team Iran, with team whatever. We could be an extraordinary civilization. And I think we need higher quality questions and higher quality conversations, linking up the scientists, linking up the engineers, linking up the mathematicians, all talking to each other all over the world, solving global issues. No more of this separation through the almighty dollar. And a lot of the issue in the red tape and things like that is the institutions in place that are for profit systems, which which feed on separation, that feeds on people not having enough and, and being under the thumb, so to, so to speak. Totally. Well, I mean, thanks for sharing your, your opinions on that, Matt. I mean, I, I echo a lot of that sentiment, <laughs> but I feel like we could have a whole podcast, <laughs> more than a podcast, a whole, uh, a whole show on, on this alone. Um, so I'll pull us out of there for now. <laughs> and, it's a, it's yeah, yeah, I'll pull us out, <laughs> pull the cord a little bit, um, and maybe just jump into it. It might be a bit related, just um, you know, in terms of how you you process things in your own mind. But I'd love to get a, a sense of some of the I call the mental fitness practices in 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 for the same reason that you titled the book Zen Athlete because I feel like people resonate with okay physical fitness mental fitness there's there's a the bridge is a little bit smaller to cross versus you know using things like mental health like uh, mental fitness in my opinion is the umbrella that kind of package that sits over all this and you can go under performance mental health and all of these different things just so we can open up the dialogue essentially right and have a conversation so i'm curious like you've obviously gone through a lot of 
you know, different experiences, you know, as we, as we speak now today, what are some kind of core practices that you have in your life um, that are super helpful? Awesome, man. Yeah, that's a great question. And mental fitness is good because, you know, you don't want to scare them away with all the titles of my podcast. People will be like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Um, But I like to explore the fringes and see what works, right? I want to know if it's the real deal and I want to know if it actually helps and if it actually works and to what degree. So, so many practices exist and they're all good. Just start with where you are. I think a basic mindfulness practice is important. Take care of your freaking body, you know, run every day, you know, just anything fitness. I don't care what you do. A really good hack. If you want to hack for that is just do something fun. You know, you yeah. don't need to be ripped. You don't need to do CrossFit. You don't need to do anything you don't want to do. Just dance. If dancing's fun. Go be active. You need to explore your body. Now, if we move into more advanced things and and this is what I enjoy you know i've done super long sits of meditation i I meditated an hour a day for pretty well a year i've spent like four months and or three months of quality habitat you know meditating most of the days and, and getting a really intense practice uh last winter i did the the cold training um, without Wim Hof. And the reason why I didn't do the Wim Hof is just because I wanted to see if I was able to do it. Now, I, I love Wim Hof and I think the breath pattern's good and I think breathing patterns are good. I just wanted to see if I could do it on my own. And I could. I was able to do it in, you know, minus 40 with the wind chill. And I don't like cold. I hate it. I'm always, <laughs> you know, I'm always wearing warm stuff and I knew it was going to suck. But I'm curious about the potential. And, and, you know, people are doing cold training and what it does is it snaps you right into the moment. It's incredible, but it pushes your body. It's 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 very extraordinary experience. And so one of the things I'm also doing right now is is dark training, night training. I'll go for runs. You know, last year I was going for runs all night in Nelson, British Columbia at night where there's cougars and bears and wow. you know, probably not smart, but you know, I asked the people, I was like, you know, do I gotta worry about cougars? And you know, one of the kids is like, I haven't seen one. He's like, You should be fine. I was like, Okay, cool. But over I was terrified most of the time. And I'm still a little bit afraid of the dark, but there's so many benefits to that of like uh, how your senses are engaged, how alive you feel, how afraid you are. And so the practice is really is coming into like this consciousness, right? For so long, I wanted to escape this consciousness. I wanted to astral project. I wanted to lucid dream. I wanted to step out of this consciousness in any way. Now, most people think that whatever consciousness they're in, which is I call like the waiting, the uh, waking consciousness or your task list consciousness, hmm. which I knew for sure was not the only consciousness. So task list consciousness wakes up, grabs coffee, goes to work, does whatever tasks, and it goes throughout the day. Then it finds a little bit of comfort at the end of the day, and then it goes to sleep. You think that all you're doing is just that. But once you quiet your mind, and you can do that for 10 minutes or at least meditate, you realize that, okay, cool. Well, I can focus on different things. I could put my consciousness in the corner of the room. Well, what would happen if my mind actually didn't have a thought for 30 minutes or an hour? Then what would happen? Um, so there's all these other different things that you can explore in the realm of consciousness. But the idea, once you explore those realms, is that when you come back, is that you fully engage in whatever your experience with a new level of presence. And that is easier said than done. And these other practices just help teach you that, help teach you you know, what's going on in the internal dialogue? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to other people? How are you acting? What emotions are going on? And just fully engaging in the joy of, of life in the consciousness that you have, because, you know, there's a huge psychedelic movement on right now. Yeah. And, you know, or psychedelics and, you know, they were valuable at the time. And now my view has changed where I see so many people going into it and it's doing more harm than good. They're looking for the quick fix. They don't know how to integrate what they they experience. They 
um, become like more confused over time. They end up just continuing to take psychedelics more and more and more. So they have, they are helpful to some people for sure, but it's not about the quick fix. It's not about just this immediate gratification culture we live in. It's like, okay, do you want to do this to open up a window to then do the work? It's kind of like liposuction. You know what I mean? Liposuction for the consciousness, yeah, yeah. you know? to do the work because it's actually a slower game it's more about character it's more about integrity it's more about uh surrender and like having the faith to take the steps to what inspire you none of that is like kind of sexy or immediate gratification you know it's hard and so you know you you know this like in in the conversation we had it's like you you look and it's like holy crap what a level of success but yeah man i gotta pivot like Mm -hmm. this has been hard you know, there's so many challenges to this. It's not an, a zero sum game where like, oh, I've made it. And now I have this Zen consciousness and it's all hunky dory and we just get to relax. It's, it's ever evolving. And so that integrity needs to be maintained with each decision. And it can be a very challenging thing. I just love the notion. And even myself, I, I think, I don't think I've thought about that this as much as I have uh, would have liked to, but the, just the idea of, you're right, that we're, spending so much time trying to escape consciousness with so many different practices versus step. I think the words use like, like step into it. And for me, it like, it triggers, it's funny, like Keo and the podcast and, and this whole journey uh, that I've been on, you know, officially, let's just say started about four years ago when some of the ideas came up, but I always kind of trace it back to 10 plus years ago when I when I first picked up a camera actually because it was the first time that my life changed to really noticing what was in front of my eyes and seeing light and angles and and photographs and and ever since that day like I can't walk down the street without seeing oh you know there's a photograph there type thing which triggers you know a small sliver of what you were just saying and you know, even as I'm recording this, just see, you know, seeing the green on the trees and and just being aware, it's um, it's such a gift. Like there's so much there if we can see it or slow down enough to appreciate it and and see those signs, right? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. In it, you know, sometimes it can seem like, oh, well, that's not special or or whatever the case is. But the alternative is the common way of thinking is that task list is that you wake up and the mind turns on and you have apparently 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day and 80 to 90% of them are repetitive. And so people do not have the skill. Most people anyway, don't have the skill to shut it off. So they're living in stress most of the day. And when you learn how to just quiet the mind and realize that you can observe your thoughts and you don't have to go, you know, it's like, the old Western movies where the horses run away and you, you, your foot is attached and you're just getting, you know, <laughs> carried away and yeah. bounce off the dirt road. Like, Oh my goodness. That's how most people's thoughts work. And then those thoughts lead to emotions and stories in the mind and your mind is going nuts. And that's, that's fine to do. And if you can learn how to step back a little bit, you're going to have a lot more freedom over that process. And then you have freedom to choose freedom to focus freedom to experience freedom to engage in this reality. Like how amazing is this is this reality? You know, we go do the virtual reality now, which is absolutely phenomenal. Well, guess what the next thing of virtual reality would be would be putting on a suit and then having sensors on it. Well, guess what? They started to have that. That exists now. Well, then what's the next step? And that's what I was like, oh, crap, we are in a simulation. Not to get on a 
tangent, but I remember one day on my podcast, I interview um, Tom Campbell, who's one of the leading physicists on simulation theory, then my friend, Native American elder, who's a scientist, engineer, and mathematician, who also said we're in a simulation. So it was like a yeah. friggin' four hour, five hour day. My mind was just blown. I was like, oh my God. Um, but immediately when I was in that, in the, in the virtual reality, I was like, oh my God, I'm in a simulation because it was so real. It had my ears, it had my eyes. And I was like, this is the Atari primitive version. Where the heck is this going to be in 20 years? This is phenomenal. And so you put on the suit, you put on the earth suit and you have senses and touch and taste. And we're just like not experiencing it. We want something else because there's so much crap out there. There's so much pain and suffering, but that also, um, you know, gives way to what's good and what we prefer. You know, we need contrast here to figure out what it is that we prefer and, and make it a little bit more exciting, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it there with the contrast, right? It's like, because that you can apply that principle to to really anything, you know, whether it's your work or personal life, if, if everything, like it just, A, it doesn't exist. But if if you think about it and everything's just perfect, like, how do you, how do you measure perfection if you don't have the contrast to that? Right. So it's, you know, we're getting a bit deep, but like, um, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's, that's just life. Right. It, it's really interesting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of under the mentality or the mindset of just being ultra curious to see and, and just experiment with this stuff and see where it goes. But at the same time, it's also sparking, I feel you know, everything we're, we're talking about right now, just sparking this whole idea of like, let's not forget what's in front of us right now. Right. And, and which is super exciting to see, you know, conversations and, you know, podcasts like yours and, and, and others uh, just talking about this and trying to well, hold on a second. Like, let's just slow it down a little bit and don't forget what's in front of you and, and live a little bit more in the present, um, which, you know, which is our life right now. Right. Um, one thing I didn't, you know, bring up yet that I definitely want to talk about is your new dad. And, you know, as, as a, as a parent myself, I know those little ones kind of, <laughs> let's just say they, they, they bring a lot of interesting emotions in, in our life. And it's a lot of change. Like, I'm curious as you're like right in the, you know, thick and, and fresh in this, what, what's changed in your life when it comes to some of your practices or, or even the way you may see um, like some of the important things in your life has, has any, have any big changes kind of come from this experience so far? Yeah. Yeah, of course, man. Everything changes, you know, <laughs> they tell you that it changes and then you're in it and it depends on how you're going to explore that situation. But immediately all of my, my values changed. I still have my vision and, and what I'd like to contribute to the world. And now, you know, my main priority is making sure that I give her the greatest opportunity possible to learn, to grow, to experience, to, you know, pass down that wisdom. And I'm already thinking about more about kids. I used to think about teenagers, but now I think about, you know, kids more and how it can influence them and, hmm. um, in a positive way to empower them because, there's that old quote, I don't know if it's Socrates or Aristotle or one of them that says something along the lines that, uh, uh, give me the boy until he is five and I'll show you the man or something. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. and, and that's really about how we can influence people and how that once those beliefs are installed, they're really hard to uninstall. And so this is how basically, you know, we've, we've, uh, conquered certain 
other uh, civilizations, like the Native Americans, like what we did in Africa. You know, we we get their kids. And uh, when I say we, I would just say like the conquered nation yeah. um, or the whiteies. And I'm a whitey, but you know, the, whatever they did at the time, the agenda at the time, right? Like when I talked about earlier, the institution, the institution at the time thinks it's for the greater good, and then you know they're doing something that maybe they shouldn't do. So how can I influence? my child in the most positive way. And it makes, you know, it's very more grounding because again, a lot of this space is, you know, there's, there's so much out there about, you know, consciousness, biohacking, leaving your body, things that I'm all curious about that. But now I'm really more about like grounding, living a good life, being a good father, being a good member of my community, um, you know, doing it in the real world and just a lot simpler. You know, a lot of people I'm a really good friend I just talked to and well, two of them actually in two days and they're going through transitions in their life and they're, really great people. And I'm just like, you know, I think like, just be a good person along the way. And don't forget about your passions. Don't forget about what lights you up and, and keep engaged in that. And if you can keep engaged in that, and then it's going to craft a vision and then go for that vision. You know what I mean? It's going to amp up. But what happens is we spend 95, 99% of our life in that taskless mode. We wake up and we're kind of like, you know, get the squirrel nuts, get the money, get the money, get the money. We don't have enough time to think about who we are, what our values are. How do we want to live? How do we want to explore? You know, I was, I thought it was ludicrous in high school. Everyone's like, wait, every one of you guys is going to go to, go to university and uh, get a job. And you guys don't even know what job you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Like just for 40 hours a week and two weeks off, 40 hours a week, and two weeks off. Nobody thought that that was ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, you know, if some of you want to do it and you know what job you want and, and it's aligned with what you enjoy, sure. But nobody is questioning 40 hours a week, two days off a week, two weeks of holiday. That is completely effed up. <laughs> you know, I was like, I can't sign up for that. And uh, it's just absolutely ludicrous. So we we can look at reality in a whole different way. It is possible to live in a different way and to put our values first and to make ends meet and to even make abundance, you know, but when we have our values in reverse and we live in reverse, things can get a little bit squirrely and we might not be as fulfilled as we could be. Yeah. Do you have Matt, just, uh, as you know, like we're really big on, you know, some powerful questions and just reflective prompts in, in general, just to help, uh, think, right. I mean, do you have a few uh, questions you find yourself uh, that you're asking yourself on a frequent basis that help? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think questions are incredibly important and you know, the higher quality question you have, the, you know, the better you're going to steer your ship. It's kind of like the way that I've been just talking about it lately. It's like you're in the middle of the ocean and you have no idea where the heck you're going. If you don't start to choose your direction deliberately, by default, you will be in the current of the mainstream or someone else's vision, mm. your parents' visions, your culture's visions, your society's visions. Uh, you get into a job, it's going to be whatever they want you to do, right? Because you're in that system now, yeah. right? And so when you start to make decisions and you and you really figure out who you are, what your values are, what you enjoy, what you would do here, you know, give yourself credit for how powerful powerful you can be and give yourself a 10, 20 year or even a lifetime to create it. It's not created over a year, it's created over a lifetime. So with each day and even just asking the question or taking, you know, a stroke in your little canoe that you're in in the middle of the ocean, over time you get out of that, you know current of whatever your culture is and eventually you're going to be in like a little bit of a la la land but then eventually you're going to get in the current that you've chosen 
and things are going to start to uncover similar to your situation that we were talking before, how that you had to make a transition. Mm -hmm. Then now all these new opportunities are coming because now you're in a new current from your previous actions. You couldn't have gotten to that space without action, right? So, so asking yourself something simple, what am I most passionate about? What do I want to learn? Um, what interests me most? What would I do if I made a million dollars a day, every single day for the rest of your life? Uh, Alan Watts, you know, says like, what would you do if money, um, uh, were no object, right? He's like, do that first. If you, if you work for money, it's absurd. You know, and he goes on and he explains it really well. And it's really hilarious. And he's talking to a lot of people, but he's like, you are, if you work just for money, you are absurd. <laughs> and he just goes on to lecture people. And it's so funny. And he's like, so smart, but so correct. Like we do need money and we should honor our jobs, but you know, don't forget who you really are. What do you value for most? What are you grateful for? What would you change in the world? If you could change anything, um, what is your passion? What's your purpose? What's your mission? Um, what's your ideal life look like in you know, all those different things? What are your goals with uh, career, health, exploration of body, travel, all of those, you know, and just design your life like it were a video game. Because, you know, when I wanted to travel and I knew that and I'd known that my whole life and I was in Whistler, I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I was like, well, I'm a snowboard bum. I have no yeah. money. What am I going to do? Right. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to make money. It's going to take me a lot of time to make this money. And my buddy, a few days later, posts this ad, like, who wants to make 10 grand a month, you know, selling cars? And I love cars. You know what I mean? I freaking love them. So I was like, okay, I could probably do that. And um, so I call him up and I was like, you know what? Even if I make five grand, if you're bullcrapping me and I make five grand a month, that's a mm-hmm. lot more than I'm going to make here. So I give it a shot. You know, I work for six months and have more than enough to travel the world, you know, get to the next stage, try again, and just kind of piecemeal it together you know, but always asking those same questions. So you can put like, my life is ideal when, and just, just, I think it's such an important practice, like with, with the journaling ideas to do that on a daily basis, because that's the direction of your life. And, and it's going to, it's really going to uncover and um, reveal itself one step at a time. It's the same idea. Like if you're in this deep, dark forest, you can't see one step in front of you with each action. You can only see a step or step, but over time, those steps are going to leave you to, to a gully, to maybe the mountains, to maybe the stream, to maybe a little hobbit village. You know what I mean? I don't know where it's going to take you, but it requires you doing something. Well, and I think like when you're, you're doing this frequent enough, then what, what starts to happen is you immediately spot when something's off, right. Versus just getting stuck kind of on that autopilot and you just continue on. Right. Whereas now you, you know, you've taken some time to reflect on this. You're, you're, you're doing the work as, as you're saying over and over again. And then it's like, Oh, that's obvious. Like I'm not, I shouldn't be going down that path. Like here's follow the signs. Right. Um, which is just a, you know, I've, I've witnessed it myself and I, I just keep seeing it get clearer and clearer. And it's it, like, it's a magical space to be in when you can start seeing the, the benefits of that. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and it's scary, man. And it takes courage. It's not an easy road and it's not, you know, I think a very common one for people is they need to know the right thing. It's like, Oh, this has got to be right. And I, and I'm not going to fail and I need to know I'm not going to fail. Failure is a, is a part of it and it's a necessary part of it. And when you're going along your journey, you're going to get lost. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall down. You're going to face adversity. So if you can redefine your perspective around that, then it's really empowering to know it's a part of the process. You know, I use skateboarding as the example. You're not going to land a skateboard, uh, a, a kickflip first try. 
not going to happen. If you do, that's friggin' amazing and good for you. I would be shocked if yeah. you can do it again. But that's the thing. I was like, all right, well, now try a heel flip. And if you land that again, oh my God, you need to pick up a skateboard. It's it's so hard to do. And so we think in life that it needs to be the right thing. You know, rather we kind of get frozen with this uh, perfectionist attitude. So really, you know, it boils down to just such, such simple things. And, you know, when I went to Burning Man for the first time, I was so shocked because it's such a crazy environment. You know, some people say Burning Man is is good. Some people will say it's bad. I've been there seven times. It's friggin' amazing. I love it. Um, if, you know, it's part of we don't like. That's yeah. fine. I know there's some nonsense there too, but there's a lot of reasons why I love it. And one of them is it's such a strange world in reality where immediately you you can't like go on into safety mode about your your identity and who you are right? it's like oh how are you what do you do you're wearing your suit you're in your regular reality whatever the case is right it's more like you have no ground to stand on so you're starting fresh meeting another human and you're just curious hey how are you oh i'm good how are you doing holy crap that's a that's a crazy piece of art right yeah it is a crazy piece of art where are you from oh man i'm from you know switzerland is like okay cool get to know each other like well do you like your life that's really what it's about. Do you like your life? Are you happy? Right? Yeah. Most people are like, you know, I never thought about if they say there's a lot of people who are happy there because uh, they've sorted it out. And a lot of people are like, nah, man, I hate my life. It's like, well, what do you want to do? What do you prefer? Yeah. You know, it's like, I've never asked myself that question. It's like, oh my goodness. So you start asking that question, start asking very important questions about your life, very important questions about who you are, start taking some action, then use all these tools and principles that are, are readily available. You clearly define a vision and a goal. You start taking action in that direction, figure out your limiting beliefs and things that are preventing you from going there, install positive ones, which is not that complicated to do. Um, you can do it through many different ways and then just start enjoying that process, you know, and it doesn't have to be once you get there, you're enough. You get to enjoy the whole entire process of creating it. That's gold. I mean, I think that's, that's the big one, right? Is, um, being present enough to actually see that process and, and be in it and realize like that's, you hear it over and over again, but it, it, and it sounds cliche, but it, it, there's a reason why you hear it over and over again. It really is the journey, right? Um, because we, we live in a society where like we, we always want more, right? We're going to get to that destination. And so if, if that's, if that's the constant loop, then, you know, unfortunately it's, it's not a super fulfilling setup. So live the moment, be there, enjoy it. Um, and, and, you know, get the most out of, out of that experience. So, I mean, speaking on, on that, I do, I do want to wrap up with one question and it's just simply, you know, Matt, what's, what's lighting you up these days? Like, what are you looking forward to, um, as you continue to go down this path? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. I am so grateful for what you're doing in the world and your commitment to, you know, follow your path and do your best and to take action. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to do that. And I just like to say to the listeners, just remember that you're more powerful than you think that you are. Just have courage and bet on yourself. Always bet on yourself. Be kind on yourself. Realize that failure is a part of the process and enjoy the journey. Just do your best. You're going to be taken care of. Um, so, you know, pe people are amazing. They're beautiful. And, and I think that just, I just see so many good people be so hard on themselves. And so, you know, we're all capable of extraordinary things and it doesn't need to be crazy. You know, you could have like a small impact in your community being a great person. That's enough. And if that flowers it over years, over five, 10, 15 years and something magical, that's how that impact grows integrity over a long period of time. 
That's how you have big impact. And so continue on the journey. Um, what lights me up right now is a, is a lot of different things. Obviously my daughter is is amazing and just seeing her smile for the first time and, 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 and experiencing everything that there is to be, you know, just holding her and being a dad and not wanting to go anywhere is, is pretty fun. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for people and for what's possible and more people just being kind to each other and all of these technologies and these ways to connect to other people, to other cultures and to seek understanding and to just, just work together. You know, man, I'm, I, I'm really, I'm really hopeful for peace. That's, that's the conversation I want to inspire the most, you know, be, people being kind and compassionate to themselves, being kind and compassionate to other people. And the way that that's manifesting right now is I'm still inspired by the podcast and, and speaking to leaders like you and, and other people who are committed to trying, you know, nobody has the right answer. You guys mm. want to talk about it. Yeah. You want to give it a shot. You want to try this. You want to try that. You want to cooperate with someone else. You know, there's a lot of language around like the new earth or enlightened. And, and one of the characteristics i feel like somebody who's enlightened or awakened or whatever the case would be or an awakened society would be in the individual takes 100 percent responsibility for their circumstances and for what they do and then also there is no competition it's only collaboration they're not trying to like push someone down it's how do we seek win-win-win collaboration and just those two simple ideas would be so helpful for the way that we're navigating what's going on here so you know, I'm I'm definitely excited about the podcast and the way that things are going. My big dream is to make mental training for sport go mainstream. I have no idea how to do that. I would love any kind of help. The book's been out for a yes. while it's on my course, but you know, just to inspire people to to know those simple things that they're enough, that how how to help them get into a place where they're inspired, where they're happy, where they feel more free, more in control, more fulfilled, and find the people, find the teachers, find the lessons, find the strategies, find the tools um, that freaking work to help people get there, so they're actually in that state of being, experiencing, and and not um, you know not not faking it. Well, I have a massive smile on my face. Uh, you're lighting me up with your words, Matt. And honestly, I can't. You know, I can't thank you enough for for making time to have this conversation. And you know, on a higher level, just for you committing, you know, your life to being there for others, and specifically, you know, putting a lot of effort for our kids um, that you know are our future. So, just a massive thanks for for that dedication and everything you're doing out there. It's a really beautiful thing. Thanks for for making the time. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. And, and I, I wanted to just share one more thing, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've, I've had uh, almost 300 episodes of my podcast. I've been to 30 countries. I've read hundreds of spiritual books, personal development, all that kind of thing. Seen countless lectures in these spaces. And the best lesson I've ever learned in spirituality by far is from my friend and one of my mentors. He's a Mi'kmaq Native American elder, David Lombert Senapas. And he says, do three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do it, and don't tell anyone. And I used to think before I had that teaching that I was a kind and compassionate person, and I was. I was a kind and compassionate person. Since that teaching and applying it, I'm kind and compassionate and spiritual in action. I'm totally two different people. When you see a homeless person, don't judge them. Get their name. Give them a dollar. See how they are. In doing that, I can't tell you how many amazing conversations I've had, how much light I see in these people, how much many times they've almost like cried because someone said hello to them. 
hmm. you know, it's incredibly empowering. That's one idea. Let someone in in traffic, um, pay it forward, uh, pick up a piece of trash, get someone's name as an act of kindness. I remember when he first told me that I was like, well, I can only think of pay it forward. Like how else do I be kind? You know, he's like, well, pick, yeah, yeah. he's like, pick up a piece of trash. He's like, get someone name. He's like, that's an act of kindness. And I see people's names on their name tag all the time, but I ask anyway. And every single time it lights them up. Every single time, because you, you change them from being a robot to somebody who's supposed to serve you to a human being. Yeah, uh, totally. Anytime you go to just try it. And I always invite people on my podcast, you know, I say, if you want to support my show, the best thing that you can do is one kind act for another human being today. Spirituality has to be an action. Conscious evolution has to be an action. But we're also engaging in the mystery fully and actively knowing it's a mystery. You don't know the end result. You can't know for sure if it's the right move. You don't know, but you can know your intention. You can give it a try and try to be easy on yourself. So when we do those three kind acts a day and we go out of your way to do them, we don't tell anyone, meaning like we don't go around and brag and say, Hey, look at how kind I am. Um, yeah. you know, that's the idea. <laughs> you will most likely a uh, high likelihood. I can't guarantee it experience what I refer to as a universal, a universal wink and something strange will happen to you. That will be just for you. That'll be so weird like in your reality, you'd be like, what, you know, like, why would the person say that? Or why would it, it would be, it'll be just for you. And I've had so many emails and messages be like, yo, bro, you're never going to believe this. Like, you know, I did the kindness challenge and then this happened, you know, they, they'd say something about whatever, you know, it's like the universe interacting with you in a way. And, you know, we go to all these different things. I went to the parliament of world religions. I've, I've done all this different stuff and, and, if we want to be spiritual, if we want to make an impact and we could, we could employ one thing planet wide that would, would bring us to peace immediately. I can't think of anything better than three kind acts. Meditation would be great. You know, um, other mm -hmm. things would be great, but everybody in the world immediately does three kind acts for their community. That's real impact. That's spirituality in action. That's uh, putting rubber to the road. That's walking the path. And that's enough. You know, you don't need to read a book. You don't need to meditate more. You don't need to do more journaling. You don't need to align your chakras. You don't need to uh, start a multi-million dollar, um, you know, trust fund that solves all the issues. That's enough. And if you continue to walk the line of integrity and compassion and, and putting some effort to your, your goals and things over a lifetime, you will make a big impact. But that day, each and every day, you have no idea what you'll be impacting, how many people will be seeing you act that way, what you'll do for that person when you ask that name, what will you do for that person when you listen to them and you're kind? You have no idea. And that's powerful. Well, I can't think of a better way to end than on uh, kindness. So thank you for that. And yeah, let's all do it. I mean, I feel, let's challenge uh, the audience, myself and everyone. Um, Three acts of kindness daily. Start with one. I mean, just start somewhere and let's share uh, share some of those experiences in the comments and see see where it goes. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for listening. All my uh, energy and good vibes. Hope you have an amazing day. All right, you made it to the end of the show. Thank you so much for your attention and for listening. If you enjoyed the chat with Matt, please do leave a review, some stars, a comment, wherever you're listening. It means the world. It does so much for the show. And make sure to follow along on Instagram. That's where I'm most active and where you can stay up to date with um, prompts as well as latest guests coming up and past guests, all that fun jazz. It's all happening on Instagram. It's at Behind the Human. Thank you again and have the absolute best day yet.